No checklist completed is going to save you. No bucket list is going to save you. No amount of blood, sweat, and tears that you've poured out in your life is going to save you. No amount of cash or worldly possessions is going to save you. You can't take it with you. You'll be dead. Buddha can't save you. Gandhi can't enlighten you. The Pope can't absolve your sins. The saints can't pray you into eternal life. Muhammad can't fix you. Allah isn't able. No president, no legislation, no Supreme Court justice, no state or nation or leader or celebrity, no one can save you because there is salvation in no one else. That's right, everybody. There is salvation in no one but Jesus Christ. So uh, this morning we are going to tackle... um, a, a a short video. It's three minutes and twelve seconds, as YouTube tells me. Um, I've only seen a really short uh, clip of this, as if three minutes isn't really short enough. Um, but I, I I saw just a, a a snippet of this video, and then I had to uh, I was interrupted and uh, had to do something else. And um, but I thought it'd be worthwhile to just kind of watch this and ma- and maybe do a little reaction to it and and talking through it on the fly which could be dangerous, uh, right? Um, so this, this is, um, uh, this is Rick Warren and Russell Moore. Russell Moore hosts a podcast that's called the Russell Moore show. Um, uh, Russell Moore is, so he's the host here and he's interviewing Rick Warren in this video. Russell Moore is a, a long, and both of them actually are, are longtime Southern Baptist guys. Uh, Russell Moore, uh, has uh, uh, risen to uh, leadership uh, several in several uh, uh, roles uh, over the years. He's uh, been a, a professor at uh, S- uh, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he has um, he was the the ELCA, uh, and I, don't ask me what that stands for I don't I don't remember but uh, it's it has to do with the, the ethics it's a, it's a Southern Baptist ethics uh, committee um, and so they deal with things all things ethical um, which uh, how is is actually behind the scenes that there's a there are other worldviews at play there I think and um, uh, so it's not necessarily always on the up and up the things that they're doing but but the he so he was the the I think the the director or whatever that title would have been of the ELCA at one point, um, but then he he stepped away from that and now he works at uh, Christianity Today, um, which is decidedly not uh, conservative in in their uh, reporting of Christian things. So. Um, so Christianity Today is where Russell Moore is. I don't know if this Russell Moore show is uh, owned by Christianity Today or if this is just Russell Moore. I'm, I'm not sure, uh, and that doesn't matter for our discussion, not, uh, the talk uh, here. Um, but he is interviewing Rick Warren, um, who uh, is a longtime Southern Baptist. He's, he's made um, news in uh, a few times, uh, Christian news, I'll say, uh, in, in recent years. And, uh, it hasn't, it hasn't been super flattering. Uh, uh, Rick Warren has been kind of the, um, uh, 
the uh, sacred child of the Southern Baptist uh, Convention um, for a long time now, and that's uh, that's because it's he's the Saddleback Church, the church that he, he recently uh, uh, retired from, uh, but he he planted it, and it is uh, absolutely massive, without question, the largest church in the Southern Baptist Convention, and so that's a that's a lot of for uh, unfortunately, uh, I mean, the world that we live in that uh, that means that his church has pull and um, notoriety and is visible in ways that other churches aren't. Um, and he has influence that other, other pastors wouldn't. Um, and so a, a couple of things, I guess, to begin. Uh, Rick Warren, I think that the beginning of uh, Saddleback Church says a lot already about... Um, uh, the maybe struggles that I'm personally going to have with Rick Warren. Um, the, he, he has kind of become a church growth, uh, guru. He trains pastors and he, he actually, I think one of the biggest struggles that I have with Rick Warren is that it seems like, um, uh, in, at least in recent years with these controversial things that have come up, it seems as though he's really uh, intent on defending himself. And, and part of his self-defense um, is typically, uh, typically has something to do with uh, his pedigree. So he'll bring up that his, uh, um, I don't know how many greats, but great, great grandfather or something like that was, uh, um, was brought to Christ under the under the preaching of Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon took him under his wing, um, and those kinds of things. Uh, so he he brings up Spurgeon as if you know uh, that that adds to the the pedigree. And then he uh, another thing that he'll bring up like that in, in defending himself is um, that uh, his, his church. The size of his church, the growth of his church, the number of baptisms in his church, the um, uh, number of pastors that his church has trained. That's another one that I've heard. Um, in fact, uh, during one, he was on the floor of the Southern Baptist Convention, I think, at one point, and um, he said, in, in defense of, actually in defense of uh, the position that that we're about to see, I think, um, he he said, um, "I've we've trained more pastors than all of the Southern Baptist seminaries combined," um, which has nothing to do uh, with complementarianism or egalitarianism. Um, so it it's it's. Uh, it's really unfortunate um, how how this is all playing out. I I have not necessarily been a huge Rick Warren fan for for a long time now. Actually, um, uh, the purpose driven uh, church, purpose driven life, the whole purpose driven thing. I I get it, but um, the way that the way that he he began his church, it, it, he's really part of the seeker sensitive movement. And if you don't know what that is, part of <clears throat> he's actually one of the beginning uh, big names in the seeker-sensitive movement. 
<clears throat> and that is, um, so he, he, when he was, uh, looking for a place to plant a church a long time ago, um, he found a place that, uh, was at the time the least churched place in America, statistically. I don't know how, how you measure that or anything like that, but that's that's kind of what happened. And he, so he puts his finger on the map and and that's there there we go. So he goes there and they they begin by surveying the surrounding community and saying what uh, uh, essentially saying why why would uh, why don't you come to church and what would get you to uh, come to church? What uh, what do you? What would you want to see in a church that would make you come? And so uh, they gathered up those surveys, and that's how they built their church. Um, and uh, while it's not bad in and of itself to see what um, uh, to see what a church. Uh, or, or what people in the community fe- uh, feel the reputation of churches, or it's not even bad to to for informational purposes, so you know where your community is at. If you're if you're investigating for the purpose of knowing knowing the mission field you're in more, um, but certainly it is uh, it's antithetical to church building to um, to ask the the sinners in the neighborhood who who do not attend church do not care about church or things god like and um to ask them um what do you think church should look like and then go make the church look like that that doesn't make any sense at all it's it's not it's not uh what what the scriptures would tell us to do um, so it, it begins like that. Like I, I just I, I I have a lot of problems with that. But um, this this specific video has to do with egalitarianism and complementarianism. Now those are, if you're unfamiliar, those are the views, the the two main views um, uh, uh, between uh, that have to do with the roles of men and women in the church. Um, and really, it, have to, it has to do with the roles of men and women in, in general in uh, creation. <clears throat> um, but specifically, this will be uh, talking about in the church. <clears throat> Excuse me. So Rick Warren in recent years has moved from complementarianism, uh, which uh, what this has to do uh, with uh, specifically this video is uh, female elders or no female elders. Um uh, this this uh, podcast that I'm doing right now is probably going to be widely unpopular um, if if uh, it it's gotten a hold of by some folks <laughs> because in our day and age it it really is um, it, it really is a, a terrible thing um, this this discussion uh, it it has been uh, beaten to death uh, so often. When the scriptures seem to be uh, pretty clear, um, and 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 not bad, I, um, the the scriptures teach us that um, men are to hold the office of elder in the church, 
and and elder and pat this is where it gets uh, people get all fighty about it um elder and pastor in the church in the in the scriptures same same office same word so if you're like pastor preacher uh, pastor main leader in the church elder um whatever you want to call it this this is um this is what the scripture teaches that that men are to be the elders in the church and and i think as soon as i say that a lot of anger begins to uh come up in in some and um and and that's not uh okay so that happens because when we hear that phrase we automatically think that what that means then is that there isn't equality that that what i'm saying by default is that that women mean less than men or that women are worth less than men or that women can't do the things that men can do um and that's that's not what is meant that there this is this is simply um uh first and foremost this is simply just what the scriptures teach and so um believing that in sola scriptura right believing that the scriptures are the 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 living breathing word of god and that nothing else is <clears throat> what that means is that first and foremost whatever the scripture says is what uh, is to dictate uh truth uh the things that are right and good um and culture is not to influence even though I mean, that's that's just never not going to happen to some degree. We we all the task in front of all of us is to rip the culture as best we can from our eyes so that we can see the scriptures more clearly in its context and culture. Um, and and that's hard to do. And sometimes we fail at it for sure. Uh, but <clears throat> but in our day and age, we've been influenced since before I was born. Um, we've been influenced in our nation by feminism, by various waves of feminism, and and what that has what that has done is it 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 now makes it we're we're now in a place it's been happening for so long that now when we hear about something like this, um, when we hear a phrase like um, women can't, and then really anything behind that um uh, it it is uh it's an automatic rage machine that that gets built and and this this really is a lot a lot bigger than that and our the the feminist kind of things that have come up um in 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 past years uh these ideas they are um they are a worldview they're influencing the Christian worldview. Um, they're they're turning it into an anti-biblical worldview slowly, uh, along with other things, obviously. But uh, but feminism being one of those, God uh, from the very beginning designed men and women to be different, <clears throat> to have different roles. And and I think that the the great tragedy in all of this is that um, women, uh, some women tend to feel in our nation like. Um, like the roles that God has assigned are um, make them less. Like their their role from God is less important. Um, when and nothing could be further from the truth. 
<laughs> just nothing could be further from the truth. Um, and I, I'm I'm probably not going to get into that. I need to just get to the video, but I wanted to prerequisite. I wanted to you know do a little uh, uh, prerequisite conversation here, just to <clears throat> so um, men men should be the elders in a church, um, and that that is simply and firstly because the scriptures teach that, um, and and then secondly um, we we just look at the 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 roles of men and women in the scriptures. And we see that it's actually a lot bigger than just elders. It's husband and wife, um, the relationship there. Uh, it, 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 it has to do with a lot of things. And, um, and God made women differently. God made women with a superpower to, to be able to, to bear children. And, and I, I would say another superpower of women is to be able to put up with children when they're young, um, in, in ways that, that a lot of men would probably kill them <laughs> at home. Um, I, I, my, my wife and I, over, over the, the years that we've been married have struggled at times. She has struggled at times with taking my job, jobs, whatever it what might've been at the time for granted. Like, um, like I come home, you know, like the, the classic, I come home and I'm tired and, and I don't really want to work more, which is my laziness and my sin. Right. But, but she, she, uh, might build up a, a resentment toward that. Like, well, I'm here all day working and da, 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 da. And, and, and then the, the opposite could happen, right. Where I come home and, uh, this or that might not be done the way that I kind of thought it would be. And so now I have resentment. And we begin to resent one another because at the end of the day, um, we're influenced into thinking that, you know, well, man, you just, you don't do anything all day. <laughs> and, but, um, but that has gotten a whole, I don't even remember really the last time that we uh, struggled with that w between one another. And that's because I, we both realized that if, if we, if we swapped roles for, um, uh, for a week, um, our, our sons would never want to speak to me again. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and she would have pulled all of her hair out here. Um, God made us differently. He's given us different roles, different gifts. And when those things are exercised rightly, um, man, the, the beautiful portrait that is God's creation begins to unfold. Um, and it's been, it's been folded up, uh, over and over again. It's God's great picture has been folded up into a paper football over the years. And, um, and we need to do all the work that we can to unfold that and to show the people, show people from the scriptures, how beautiful it actually is when men are allowed to be men and women are allowed to be women. Uh, according to the scriptures. So without further ado, this is the video. Uh, we're going to uh, watch this, take it in, and then uh, then we're going to go from there. Okay? I understand why people get upset about this, because I believed the way they did until three years ago. Mm. And I actually had to change because of scripture. Culture could not change me on this issue. Antidotes could not change me on this issue. Pressure from other people would not change me on this issue. 
what shape? So I think that, um, first of all, I'll, I'll just stop it there and, and say that, that that's a really dogmatic statement uh, to, to make. And I, I, I'm sure he's making that statement because people have claimed that culture has changed him on this issue or that anecdotes have changed him on this issue. And I think it actually the, the burden of proof is certainly going to be on him to, to prove otherwise, um, because, because the scriptures seem to te- speak very clearly on the, on the matter. Um, and I, I don't know what, I, I'm assuming he's going to attempt to go to the scriptures. He's not stupid, right? He's, he's a smart man. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to go to the scriptures to attempt to prove his point. Um, but it will be interesting to see if he deals at all with the scriptures that people utilize to come to the, the complementarian view. Um, I, I, I don't know. We'll see if he, if he does that at all or not, but I think it's, it's dangerous to say culture could not change me on this issue. Um, I think it would be much more helpful for him even to, to say it in such a way that, that there's some humility there in understanding that, you know what, culture in fact could maybe change me on this issue. And that's why we need one another. And that's why, um, I, I need, um, that, that per, so this is just a statement for me. That's why I need men in my life who, um, are, are going to challenge me with things. Um, and, uh, that's, that's why we all need that. This is why I, part of the role of my wife is to see things in me that I don't see and to, and to draw those things out and to help me be a more godly man. Um, and, and vice versa, right. For her to become a more godly woman. But I think it's dangerous for it's not a good beginning point for him to just dogmatically say culture could not change me on this issue um, because that's just that's just not true um, and and that's not even me claiming that that culture has changed him on this issue although I I believe it has um, but but uh, to say that culture could not change me on this issue um, I think is um, a little bit naive. Um, maybe, but we're going to keep going. Was when I came to con- confrontation with four scriptures, nobody ever talked about that. I felt had strong implications about women in ministry and nobody had ever shown it to me. Okay. So this is, I, no matter how hard I searched, I couldn't find, uh, the clip, just the raw clip anywhere. Um, so this is, this is a guy who has uh, put this together, and this is his thing. Um, so I don't know what it's <laughs> what this is going to say. Um, but... Oh, he's going to give... Now, Great Commission, go make disciples, baptize, teach. You can't say, well, the first two are for men and women, the last two are only for men, or maybe just ordained men. Okay. So the context here is teaching that he's talking about female elders, um, preachers. So, so the context is teaching. And the scriptures don't prohibit women from teaching. Uh, uh, of course that's not true. In fact, uh, in, in Timothy, women are, 
are told, <clears throat> more older and mature women in the faith are, are told, um, uh, Timothy is told that those those women should learn to train the younger women, uh, the younger women, um, women involved in discipleship or evangelism or those, of course that's true. And that's teaching. Um, the, the issue is, is office of elder. The issue is the leadership of the church. Um, and, and so that it, it already seems like a, a sort of, a glossing over of the, the fact that that great commission was given to the church, which of course included women, uh, includes women today. Um, but the, what the overarching, um, uh, reason rather for the church is, uh, is that women, uh, uh, or that men and women would, uh, uh, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus Christ and go therefore make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and, and the Son and the Holy Spirit, uh, teaching them uh, uh, to obey all that I've commanded you. Um, so that that's the commission. That's the commission of the church collectively. And so the church collectively has to do those things. Um, in no way is the the Great Commission passage in Matthew uh, twenty eight um, supposed to be a sort of prescription as to how exactly the church goes about that. You get that more from uh, Timothy and and Titus and and some other things, uh, some other places. But uh, Matthew eighteen is is just a commission. It's not a it's not a how to. So this is kind of a misapplication of the of the text. I think that's eisegesis. That's how you, you got a problem. Who authorized women to teach? Jesus. All authority is given to me. Therefore, teach. All authority is given to me. Therefore, once again, he's saying that um, that he's assuming that that what a complementarian like uh, me would would be thinking is that women aren't allowed to teach at all, and that's just not the case. That's not what complementarianism is. So, baptize. You got a problem with the Great Commission. I had to repent when I actually looked at the Great Commission. I had to say, it's not just for ordained men, it's for everybody. On that day in, at Pentecost, we know women were in the upper room. We know women were filled with the Holy Spirit. We know that women were preaching in languages that other people couldn't hear to a mixed audience. We know. Okay, hold on. Hold the phone, homeboy. You're gonna have to give me just one second, folks. What is he talking about? Okay. So, uh, what did he just say? Other people couldn't hear to a mixed audience. We know that women were preaching in languages that other people couldn't hear to a mixed audience. Okay. That's just fabrication, actually. <laughs> the scripture is glaringly clear. What he's talking about is Acts chapter 2, but Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes down um, at, at Pentecost and the, the disciples and they're speaking in tongues. Um. I apologize to Russell Moore for pausing it right there. That's pretty rough. Um, but 
uh, it says uh, Peter's sermon at Pentecost. Um, okay, so he, he says uh, in verse 14, it says, but Peter taking his stand with the 11. So at this point, they're all like all the crowd is marveling because they're hearing people um, uh, they're hearing, hearing people speak in their own native tongue. And yet all of these other people with these different languages can hear them. This is by definition, the gift of tongues. Um, it's not an ecstatic speech, by the way, uh, that was invented far later, <laughs> but, <clears throat> um, so that they're, they're marveling at that. And listen to what Peter says. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is the third hour of the day. Uh, but this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. Okay. Now, he's probably talking about the quote from Joel, maybe. Uh, maybe that's what he's alluding to, because just after that, it, it, he quotes, Peter quotes the book of Joel. Um, and it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Uh, uh, even on my male slaves and female slaves, I will in those days pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will put wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below. Okay, so there's there's a hint maybe in that if you're going to take that all, uh, com, um, how, however you're going to take that, there could be a hint maybe of, um, of taking that uh, to mean that um, that females are going to prophesy or preach or whatever but but he's he explicitly stated there that uh that they uh that women were preaching to this crowd in languages that uh, that they didn't know or or whatever um and yet uh Peter's defense for those who were speaking in tongues and preaching the gospel was this for these men are not drunk as you suppose. So that's just crazy talk. We know women, but it wasn't just men. Women were preaching on the day of Pentecost. How do we know that? Because Peter felt obligated to explain it. He explains why you're now seeing women preaching on the... That is not at all why... He is, ex that's, that's not the, they're not upset. This whole crowd isn't bewildered and upset because women are teaching or preaching. That's not the cause of their, uh, their reaction at all. It's the, the miracle of tongues. That's what makes them go, what in the world is going on? That's what makes them ask that question. And when Peter felt compelled to get up and give a defense and, and explain what was happening, um, he clearly stated that men were doing this, um, and and so this this is this is this is really bad. <laughs> this is really, really. Um, if this is the if this is the scripture um, that he's utilizing to, this is not not a good. This isn't a solid reason. To me, I'm open if you have a solid reason in the scriptures to talk about um, egalitarianism 
um, because I believe that the scriptures are the word of God. And so if from the scriptures that can be proven, um, that, that, that I'm, I'm wrong on that, then I'm more than willing to accept that. And everyone should be if the scriptures say so. Um, but this would not be an example of the scripture saying so. In fact, this is complete and utter reading into the text. He just talked about eisegesis in the last text incorrectly, but he just talked about eisegesis. This, what he's doing right now is very eisegetical. The first day of the church, he explains it. And he says, this is that that Joel predicted. And here's mm -hmm. what he says. In the last days, and clearly that means Peter thought yeah, the last that's days what I began thought. With the birth of the church peter says in the last days i will pour out my spirit on all flesh all flesh your sons and daughters will prophesy that's different than the old testament russell i've i've looked at over 300 commentaries on those verses and it's interesting to me that almost everybody goes yep in the in the church everybody gets to play everybody gets to preach everybody gets to prophesy and the people who don't like that ignore that verse john macarthur doesn't even cover that verse he just skips over that's that's because that verse actually doesn't have a lot to do with female eldership okay um i've i've already stated that even as a complementarian um no um the, that doesn't mean that women have no teaching role in life or even in the church um uh of course, that's ridiculous. This is about the role of pastor and the role of elder, um, which other places in the scriptures um, very clearly teach is not the order that God created things to be in. The very first Christian sermon, the message of the gospel of good news of the resurrection Jesus chose a woman to deliver it to men. He had Mary Magdalene go and tell the disciples. First Christian sermon. Okay, that wasn't a sermon. <laughs> First of all, I man, I wish that was as easy as it was. Um, uh, but that that was that. So th he's actually doing some things either so subliminally that he doesn't get that he's doing it or intentionally to frame the conversation and to keep it where it needs to go. I don't, I don't know. And I'm not going to presume, but, but he's, he's, he's actually building his case by saying some things that just are inaccurate. Um, uh, what, when he's going to talk now about the, the, uh, the, the Mary's, um, the, the, the women who came to the tomb, who, uh, saw the, uh, angel who then saw Christ on the way back and, um, and were told, go tell the others. Um, this is, this is, uh, going and telling them the good news of the resurrection for, and, and honestly, this has been utilized by apologists as one of the main reasons for, uh, believing in the resurrection of Christ. It's, it's one of the, of the many, um, indisputable proofs of Christ's resurrection, because no one in that day and age, uh, would have fabricated a story in which women, 
were the ones who carried that news first to men. It, it just wouldn't have happened. And so this was in in part uh, a way, uh, a proof for the truth of the resurrection because no one would have fabricated it that way. Um, so, but, but it, he's, he's so far, he has, um, not presented one shred of evidence in, in one scripture that would lead anyone down the, uh, a hole to believe that, that females should be, or, or biblically would, um, be prescribed or allowed to be in that that church leadership role of pastor or elder um i am I'm, I'm just not only am i not convinced by these things but i think that this is this is there's some fabrication here there's some exaggeration here to try and prove his point and that's this isn't a good look for for the the warrenator message of the gospel of good news of the resurrection jesus chose a woman to deliver it to men he had Mary Magdalene go and tell the disciples. Now that clearly wasn't an accident. It was an intentional. It's a whole new world, baby. Now he has a woman go tell the apostles. You got on, can a woman teach an apostle? Evidently did it on the first day. He chose her to be the first preacher of the gospel. <laughs> Okay, well, I guess that's the... Hey, hey, calm down. Um, there... Yeah, there, there's no end to the... to the... Um, the... the scripture references that, that a person could give to... Um, to bulldoze over everything that he just said. And, and this is, I, I actually was kind of expecting more of a, of a, of a solid argument or an attempt at a solid argument, um, from, from Rick Warren, but, um, but that wasn't solid at all. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you folks. I I thought that would be a little bit more, uh, to, to interact with, but I was, I was wrong. You know what though? I have to, uh, record, the uh babbling pastors podcast if you don't know about that go check that out um at, uh, a new arrival every wednesday uh so i have to go partner with michael Moore now and um the honest youth pastor guy and uh, uh record that podcast this morning so i'm gonna hop off of here i made it just in time but um this this is um uh, Rick Warren is not uh, not a good influence on the church. Um, if nothing else, we can tell that just from the the way that he handled these scriptures, frankly, um, which is not not good at all. So, anyway, um, we will see you next time.